I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. So does the military and U.S. intelligence need more checks on its cyber power? The Biden administration seems to think so. But could more of that bureaucratic oversight on U.S. Cyber Command make America less safe? That's something worth digging into. Really pleased to have joining us on the program, Dr. Jason Blessing. Uh, he is the uh, Gene Kilpatrick Visiting Research Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, Dr. Blessing, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Boyd. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so let's dive into this in terms of uh, we always talk about oversight and control and figuring out where that balance point is. Uh, how does that all play in when it comes to America's cybersecurity? Well, for any military intelligence operations, particularly in cyberspace, you can't overstate the fact that civilian authority and control over these operations are crucial to a healthy democracy. The problem is, strategically, we need to have a lot more decision-making speed uh, when it comes to the cyber domain, particularly when our adversaries like Russia, China, North Korea, they act without many restraints. Obviously, we play by democratic rules. They don't. Wow. And so uh, I, I want to dig into that uh, element just of speed first, uh, because it seems to me that one of the real challenges, especially in the modern world, is your ability to constantly take in new information, assess it, prioritize it, have a plan, act on it, assess it and, and do it again. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, China, Russia, uh, others uh, don't have any rules they have to play by. Uh, and are some of these things that are being implemented or proposed, are they going to slow us down and prevent us from being quick, nimble, and able to react, respond, and defend? Right. And I would say yes. So what the Biden administration is proposing and looks like they've come to an agreement with uh, will slow our down our ability to punch and counterpunch. It's like if you're in a boxing match, the other guy isn't playing by the rules, and you have to look back to your coach in your corner to ask permission for every punch or counterpunch that you want to throw. It's just not an effective strategy. Uh, granted, to the Biden administration's concerns, uh, the diplomatic uh, ripple that can happen when we're conducting operations on a friendly country's servers, you know, that can have diplomatic repercussions. But the problem is that that shouldn't be up at a bureaucratic level. That should be guidance that's given by the White House down to the Department of Defense. Yeah, so uh, walk us through that just a little bit. Uh, I think we all understand and agree, okay, we've got to have some civilian oversight uh, of, of military and intelligence, you know, those operations, uh, getting that balance. But what does that balance really look like, and then what are the steps to actually get there? 
Well, the balance has changed over the last uh, couple of administrations. Uh, in the first instance, uh, particularly when cyber operations started coming into their own as a viable tool of statecraft, uh, everything in the Obama administration was centralized at the National Security Council. Uh, and a, a basic hallmark of the Obama process was that everything had to go through lawyers to make sure that we had good legal justification to act. Now, as cyber operations started maturing and becoming, you know, Cyber Command itself uh, and the NSA, their partnership was becoming more mature and robust. Uh, we saw with the Trump administration this move to delegate authority down and say, okay, for certain types of offensive cyber operations, you have more discretion over the targeting and the timing. Uh, and that we gained a lot from that in terms of how we were able to act and counteract against adversaries in cyberspace. Uh, the Biden administration seems to be pulling back the reins by giving the Department of State a little bit more of a veto power over uh, intelligence and military cyber operations. Uh, really, to your question of what should have been done instead, uh, the Biden administration, in my opinion, should have given uh, explicit guidance and sort of guardrails to the Department of Defense uh, and the intelligence community over, okay, we need to have a roadmap of if we're operating on and NATO ally server, how and when do we notify them? Uh, if we're operating on a third party who may or may not be on the friendliest of terms with us, how do we and when do we notify them? Uh, and we have to balance those notifications with our partners and allies and third party states. We have to balance that with the need to strike quickly uh, and so that we don't miss a window to be able to take uh, an opponent offline. Yeah, I think that's uh, the real key is if you're if uh, I always say the more hesitation, uh, the more you have to vacillate back and forth, uh, the less likely you are to act or to act in a way that's actually going to be effective and productive. Uh, are there other things that we should be thinking about in terms of how do we make sure that we've delegated the right power to the right level to be to be quick, to be uh, opportunistic in, in those moments uh, and yet still have some of that restraint uh, that always seems to be the hardest thing to, to keep in check? That's a very good point, and the, the restraint is a product or should be a product of good and well-trained leadership. Mm -hmm. And we have that right now with the commander of Cyber Command, who is also the director of the NSA, General Nakasone. Uh, and so I think if you look at promotion paths and who will eventually replace him, uh, that's one thing uh, that we really need to think about. And really in concordance with that is we need to be able to communicate to the non-cyber folks in the military and DOD, uh, what the actual utility and payoff is. And I think if there's a greater understanding of that, there's going to be less of a hesitancy to just fire without looking, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, I think the other aspect uh, that has actually worked out fairly well, but is very closely tied towards this greater discretion over uh, targeting and timing, has been the way that the U.S. Cyber Command and the National Security Agency have partnered uh, via joint task forces with other government agencies like CISA and the FBI. Uh, and in particular, I'm thinking about what has now come to be the, the primary task force for election security. Uh, so the combination of leadership uh, and getting the right leadership in the right positions uh, and learning how to play nice with others across bureaucratic lines uh, those are really where the focus of effort should be. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought up this idea of uh, kind of this 
we see so many agencies and, and institutions. It happens in businesses all the time as well. You get so siloed or the turf protection becomes the ultimate game and everyone kind of forgets about what the actual objective is. It's more about protecting your silo or your turf. Uh, anything else we should be looking at in terms of how do you break down those barriers? How do you make sure there is that good uh, cross uh, pollination, so to speak, in terms of these different agencies, these different uh, uh, joint task force, and so on. How do we make sure we're we're maximizing those? Again, I think on one hand that comes back to leadership and to the Biden administration's credit. In cyber positions, they have top notch talent and leaders. Uh, and you know, if mm-hmm. you look at at the, at the head of CISA like Jen Easterly, who has been proactive in engaging uh, with both the FBI, the Department of Defense, the intelligence community. You know, reciprocal leadership is wildly important. But I think one thing that we can't overlook, and this is more of a long-term issue, is recruiting good cyber talent into government Mm -hmm. positions, whether it be on the civilian side or in the military side. Uh Uh, The more talent that you have in there and the more people that speak the same language in terms of, you know, navigating policy elements with the technical cybersecurity elements, over time that will bubble up to the top ends and the upper echelons of government so that cooperation will be a lot easier to facilitate. Uh, and, you know, we're not there yet. We have a ton of positions open in the private and public sector. Uh, and that's, you know, that's something that we really need to put initiative into going forward. Fantastic. Dr. Jason Blessing is the Gene Kilpatrick Visiting Research Fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, a great lesson in terms of what's happening in terms of, of cyber. Also some great leadership lessons in there as well in terms of uh, how do you actually get the right things done. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, boy. Have a great day. All right, uh, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, uh, Republicans are looking for some electoral opportunities. Sarah Isger is going to join us with some new analysis from the dispatch as to why it's so hard to get people to change which party they vote for. We'll talk about it coming up next. Stay with us. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.